Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're tuned in to Kingston Currents here on CFRC 11.9 FM. I'm CFRC's broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie, here to keep you up to date on all things Limestone local news. To start off, here are your local news headlines. A message from South Frontenac Township, Level 1 fire ban is lifted in South Frontenac. In South Frontenac Township, effective July 17, 2023, at 8 a.m. The Ministry of Natural Resources has also lifted the restricted fire zone that affected the north part of the township. Residents are reminded to always use caution when having campfires and cooking outdoors, and only burn when conditions are appropriate. You can see the township's burning bylaw, 2012-68, for more information. Kingston Health Sciences Center has implemented the next phase of its COVID-19 staged de-escalation plan. Universal masking is no longer mandatory in the emergency department, children's outpatient clinic, or the urgent care center for staff, patients, or visitors. In place of universal masking, staff will conduct a point-of-care risk assessment prior to interacting with patients to determine if and what personal protective equipment is required. The ED, UCC, and COPC have seen very low numbers of active COVID-19 cases over the last six weeks says Dr. Gerald Evans, Medical Director, Infection Prevention and Control at KHSC. We will continue to actively screen patients for acute respiratory illness and implement use of PPE when individuals with respiratory infections are identified. This has helped keep patients and staff safe during this ongoing transition phase of the COVID-19 pandemic. Masks remain mandatory for patients who have respiratory symptoms. Routine masking remains strongly recommended in areas that provide care to patients who are higher risk for more serious outcomes from COVID-19 infection. And in areas where acutely ill patients who may be infectious arrive to be assessed, including at the triage desks in the ED, UCC, and COPC, inpatient oncology, neonatal intensive care unit, dialysis clinics, and oncology clinics. Here's what will not change. All individuals will be supported in their decision to wear a mask. Everyone will continue to have access to masks upon entry, as well as in all clinical areas. Staff will be expected to don a mask when caring for patients who are wearing a mask. Healthcare workers may ask a patient to mask as part of their point of care risk assessment. Masks remain required for patients entering our hospital sites with respiratory symptoms. Caregivers or visitors with infectious symptoms must postpone their visit until their symptoms have improved. If it is necessary for the caregiver to be present, then the caregiver is required to mask during the time inside the hospital. Staff, caregivers, and visitors will continue to have access to all personal protective equipment where required. City of Kingston celebrates outstanding volunteers with annual Civic Awards. Six outstanding community volunteers are being recognized with the City of Kingston's esteemed Civic Awards. These annual awards celebrate residents who generously donate their time to the community in areas of culture, heritage, recreation, sports, health, education, environment, safety, or business. The City is honored to celebrate these recipients of the 2023 Civic Awards. First Capital Distinguished Citizen, Linda Colgan. Honorable Achievement, Janice Barling and Marcy McMullen. Youth Volunteerism, Etienne Buji, Sakai Chikozi, and Ravnur Kang. At the heart of volunteering is a selfless desire to build community and make a positive impact on the lives of others, says Mayor Brian Patterson. Each year, I have the privilege of presenting these awards to deserving recipients in Kingston. I am so excited to be announcing this year's winners. We received many incredible nominations with truly inspiring accounts of individuals going above and beyond for their community. Thank you for dedicating your time, energy, and talents to building a thriving and compassionate city. You can learn more about Civic Awards and this year's recipients at City of Kingston Award recipients will be celebrated at a ceremony during the Intercultural Arts Festival on Sunday, September 17th. Watch the City of Kingston's social media channels for updates recognizing each recipient and their significant contributions to the community. 
The oldest market in Ontario, Kingston Public Market, is now in full swing, celebrating local food and crafts. Kingston Public Market, one of the oldest and most beloved markets in the province, is now being operated by Loving Spoonful on behalf of the City of Kingston. Loving Spoonful is a well-known local charity that works to build community around good local food. The market, located in Springer Market Square in the heart of downtown Kingston, is open every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday from 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., rain or shine. The Kingston Public Market has long featured a wide variety of locally grown and wholesale produce, baked goods, preserves, artisanal crafts, and more. Visitors can browse stalls selling everything from fresh vegetables and fruit to homemade goods. In addition to supporting local food producers and businesses, the market offers visitors a chance to connect with their community and enjoy the vibrant atmosphere of Springer Market Square. We're thrilled to be working with local producers in the heart of downtown Kingston, says market coordinator Adrienne Chalaternik. This year's market has a diverse range of vendors. We're excited to celebrate a season of fresh food, crafts, and community building. We'll be working with existing and new vendors to revitalize the market and to bring a greater focus on access to local food. For more information about the Kingston Public Market, you can visit kingstonpublicmarket.ca and check for updates on the Kingston Public Market Facebook and Instagram accounts. N95 masks and rapid antigen tests are now available at all cool-down locations in Kingston. Community members who are at risk of developing health complications in areas experiencing poor air quality will be able to receive free N95 masks from any cool-down location in the city of Kingston. N95 masks are supplied by the Ministry of Health in response to the recent and forecasted poor outdoor air quality in relation to smoke from nearby wildfires. Poor air quality, as defined by KFLNA Public Health, is an air quality health index rating of 7 or higher. Along with N95 masks, designated cool-down locations will also distribute COVID-19 rapid antigen tests. Following the wind-down of the Provincial Rapid Antigen Test Program, any community member can pick up free tests at designated cool-down locations in Kingston. You can stay up to date by checking the AQHI for the Kingston region. And you can head to the city's website to see a list of cool-down locations and learn more about their response to extreme weather. You can also call locations ahead to confirm operating hours and the availability of masks and tests. For the Kingston Frontenac Public Library branches, the number is 613-549-8888. For the City of Kingston Recreation Facilities or Housing and Social Services Administrative Facility, the number is 613-546-0000. Ontario Chamber of Commerce Brief highlights key recommendations to meet Ontario's current and future housing needs. Housing affordability has become a pressing issue impacting communities of all sizes across Ontario. High housing costs are limiting the buying power of households, impacting businesses' ability to attract and retain talent and exacerbating homelessness rates throughout the province. The Government of Ontario has committed to building 1.5 million new homes by 2031 to help mitigate this crisis. This goal will require strategic action and significant collaboration across sectors and all levels of government. Earlier this week, the Ontario Chamber of Commerce released Homestretch, tackling Ontario's housing affordability crisis through innovative solutions and partnerships outlining opportunities for the private, public, and nonprofit sectors to explore innovative partnerships and approaches to address housing affordability and supply, and recommendations to build on successful models. The housing crisis in Ontario has reached a critical point, with significant challenges related to both affordability and supply, said Karen Cross, CEO of the Greater Kingston Chamber of Commerce. Kingston has not been immune to these pressures as rising housing costs are impacting many of our businesses' ability to attract and retain labour. 
At the same time, higher housing costs leave less income available to spend on other goods and services, which directly affects our community's long-term economic growth. The policy brief provides all levels of government and industry with recommendations under the following themes, labor and demographics, the housing continuum, and infrastructure and land use planning. Key recommendations include continue to establish and deliver an inclusive workforce development and immigration strategies to increase the labor pool needed to build more housing, incentivize the development and preservation of affordable housing options along the continuum, including purpose-built rentals, missing middle, student, nonprofit, cooperative, and supporting housing, support and development and expansion of innovative technologies, data tools, retrofitting, building conversions, as well as mixed use and climate resilient green housing. The growing mismatch between housing supply and demand in communities across Ontario has made it more difficult for employers to fill labor gaps, particularly as the global competition for talent heats up, said Rocco Rossi, president and CEO of Ontario Chamber of Commerce. To ensure the long-term resilience of our economy, we encourage governments to balance consultation with bold action, such as ending exclusionary zoning and working in partnership with public and private sector partners to address labor shortages. To help inform this brief, the OCC led a series of regional housing affordability roundtables with a diverse range of housing sector stakeholders. The Greater Kingston Chamber of Commerce was proud to have members contributing to the OCC's housing affordability initiative and look forward to working with all levels of government and industry to meet the housing needs of our communities. In the realm of campus news here in Kingston, Queens has announced their 2023 Distinguished Service Award winners. Chris Berga, Elizabeth Jane Arrington, Anita Lister, Elspeth Murray, Brenda Reed, and Colette Steer are being recognized for making Queens a better place through their extraordinary contributions. The 2023 recipients of the Distinguished Service Award are a group of community members and leaders who have made a positive change and lasting impact upon Queens University. Recipients are selected by the University Council Executive Committee. The Distinguished Service Award recognizes exemplary service to the university over an extended period of time. I am so inspired by the amazing work and contributions of this year's Distinguished Service Award recipients. I have often said that Queen's is not just my university or your university, it's actually our university. And so it is only through our combined efforts that Queen's will continue to be a place where excellence lives, says Executive Committee Vice Chair Marcus Wong. On behalf of University Council, congratulations and thank you for everything you have done, continue to do and will do for Queen's. The 2023 recipients of the Distinguished Service Awards are Chris Berga, a trusted associate of five Queen's principals since 1978, who has provided critical support to senior leadership and played an integral role in a multitude of operations. She is a shining example of service, loyalty, integrity, commitment, and dedication to the betterment of the university. Elizabeth Jane Arrington, a professor in the Department of History since 1996 and an inspiring academic leader, Arrington has made enduring contributions to graduate supervision, departmental university service, pioneering work in community engagement, path-breaking scholarship, and influence on the academy as a whole. Anita Lister, departmental manager of the biomedical and molecular sciences and a dedicated staff member since 1978. Lister has proven to be a critical facilitator of growth in undergraduate programming in the Faculty of Health Sciences, who is wholly committed to the learning experience of all students. Elspeth Murray, Director of the Center for Entrepreneurship, Innovation, and Social Impact, and Professor at the Smith School of Business, Dr. Murray is an innovative thinker and pioneer who created and prioritized entrepreneurial opportunities for students, changing the landscape of business education at Queen's and across the country. Brenda Reed, Head Librarian for the Faculty of Education, Reed is dedicated 
to ensuring that students have access to the resources they need, has provided leadership and guidance in learning and research services, and cares deeply about the success of students, staff, and community members. Colette Steer, Manager at Graduate Experience for the School of Graduate Studies and Postdoctoral Affairs, Steer's roles have included recruiter, event innovator, communications expert, member of the Board of Trustees, and tireless name reader at convocation ceremonies. Involved in all aspects of the graduate student experience, Steer has worked to ensure every opportunity for the success of each graduate student at Queen's. Inaugurated by the University Council Executive Committee in 1974, the Distinguished Service Award recognizes individuals who have made the university a better place through their exemplary service and extraordinary contributions. The University Council was established by statute in 1874 and is one of the three governing bodies of Queen's University. All elective members are elected by and from Queen's alumni. The University Council serves as both an advisory and an ambassadorial body to the university as a whole and is responsible for the election of the Chancellor. The recommendations for the 2023 City of Kingston Arts Fund have been announced and approved by Council, but not without concerns raised regarding this year's allocation of funding. First established in 2007, the City of Kingston Arts Fund consists of approximately 70% operating grants and 30% project grants, which are distributed annually by the Kingston Arts Council, amongst local arts organizations, collectives, and other groups to support Kingston's art scene. Applications are reviewed and assessed each year by peer juries, and decisions are made by the Kingston Arts Council and the City. This year's grants consisted of a total of $619,345 distributed amongst 12 operating grants and 16 project grants. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic over the last few years, some of the past projects were canceled or modified, resulting in grant funds being left unspent and carried over. This year, all the money that was available has been allocated. While requests always exceed the amount of funding available, the amount that they were able to award through the program this time around has been closer to meeting requests than ever before. The recommendations for this year's distribution of grants was brought forward for the approval of City Council at their meeting on Tuesday, July 11th. While the recommendations were approved, it was not unanimous. Some council members had questions regarding the distribution of funds. Firstly, there were many questions regarding the makeup of the jury, which assesses the applications put forth. In response to these inquiries, Colin Wigginton, Director of Arts and Culture Services, discuss the structure of the review. Um, just looking in response to your other comment about the composition of the, the arm's length jury for the operating grant, uh, there are two people on the list who are from the performing arts, from theatre specifically, uh, but there's also a person who's from the Creative City Network of Canada who's been based here in Kingston, so that's culture more broadly, as well as a person from Joe's Mill, which is a music instrument lending library, as well as the Museum of, of Healthcare. So we try to work, or the Kingston Arts Council tries to work very hard uh, to make sure that their juries are representative of a number of disciplines so as not to privilege one over the other. It was also confirmed that the members of the jury change each year. The funding allocated to the Heart Centre was also a central topic of concern amongst council members. The Heart Centre is a registered not-for-profit, charitable organization for adults with disabilities and those who face barriers and wish to take part in affordable, accessible, and available arts, music, dance, and theatre programs led by trained instructors and qualified community artists. 
Councillor McLaren made specific mention of this in his opening remarks regarding the report. Thank you. As I'm looking at the actual grant results here on page 20 of the report, um, I noticed that the Agatharington Center and the Kingston Symphony Association are receiving the most amount of funds and yet also seem to be one of the, or the two most well-endowed, financially well-endowed um, groups here. And I noticed that the Heart Center, which is uh, going through an existential crisis now as they're being forced to move is also getting near the very bottom of the amount uh, handed out here. So I'm wondering what the rationale is for um, the amounts given. Councillor Osinek also referred to the lack of funding to the Heart Centre as she expressed her disapproval, stating the following. I, I can't <laughs> approve this tonight. Um, I won't be approving it um, <laughs> again for Heart. You know, like they applied for, they only received one third of operating grants of what they had asked for. And, um, you know, I, I hope next year when it comes back, they will have received more. Rent is 4,000 per year and heart is just so important for the inclusiveness um, of Kingston. So thank you. In response to these concerns, Ligginton provided some context in regards to the decision-making process for the Kingston Arts Council. The assessments are determined by the peer jury that you've identified. Uh, it is based on a scoring system and it does take into account uh, the quality of the applications. Uh, there's a number of forces at play here also in terms of new people coming into the program and um, <clears throat> excuse me, the historical allocations that have been made. So for example, uh, the Agnes Southington Art Center and the Kingston Symphony have typically received amounts in this uh, area of, of the top of the range. The Heart Center uh, was entered into the program about four or five years ago as a new operating fund recipient. Uh, the range for operating grants is between ten and seventy-five thousand uh, dollars. So, you know, they have been assessed by the arm's length jury operated by the Kingston Arts Council as you know meriting the kind of uh, funds that they've received, and they have uh, incrementally grown over the number of years. Uh, there's also um, outlines within the plan for administration that talks about the fact that uh, grants allocations can be shuffled based on jury recommendations, but they can't alter more than about 20% from year over year. So there's a number of forces at play here in terms of the allocations, uh, but it is a, a system based on the quality of the application, the extent to which the applicant is meeting the criteria of the City of Kingston Arts Fund, and the, the assessment of the jury who is doing that work. Also in response to concerns from Council, Ligginton discussed anticipated revision of their process in the coming years. Thank you and through you Mayor Patterson, we're anticipating beginning the CCAF review in full this fall. Uh, we anticipate that we'll be able to come back to committee and council uh, in summer 2024 uh, with the recommendations that come out of that CCAF review, which will help inform our budget planning for 2025. So we likely will not change the funding structure for 2024, but will have an impact on 2025. The resulting vote from Council was 7-4, to four, with Councillors Osinek, McLaren, Hassan, and Glenn opposed. That is all for your local news updates this week. 
Thank you for listening to CFRC's local news programming, brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next.